Church, welcome to 2023. I'm expecting and believing, I'm sure along with you, for some great things in this new year. I really believe it's going to be a year when we can engage with our destiny, engage with each other, engage discovering gifts and talents and us moving forward in a significant way. But alongside of that is a whole thing of really encountering God. And our theme phrase for the year is knowing, growing, and sowing. The whole idea of coming closer to Jesus, growing in Christ, and then being commissioned and sent out. But this morning, I want to speak to you about how to step into a new year. It's not going to cover everything that you need for stepping into a new year. But I love the freshness that the new year offers to us, and we should grab it with both hands. So let's talk about how to step into a new year. Because God is the God of fresh things, new beginnings, new opportunities, renewed places to go into. And as I was praying and preparing for this message, I was drawn to a few verses in the book of Revelation. And it's Revelation 21, verse 5 to 6. And the principles out of these words form the core of what I believe God wants for us as we step into 2023. It says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. Another translation says, it is finished. It's accomplished already in the heart, in the mind of God. It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the springs of the water of life. I want us to begin this year, not with an earthly perspective. Our minds have been drawn into that so much to all the things that are going on on earth, but to, in a way, set them aside, step back and get a heavenly perspective from the throne of God, from the heart of God. A heavenly perspective seeks to see life and all its parts in the way God would see it, in the way he'd want us to see it. And I want to kind of prophesy this over each of every one of us, and certainly over my own life as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, when it talks about a heavenly perspective, it, as it is written, Paul says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. And these are the things God revealed to us by his spirit. And I just want to speak into your life, into your circumstance, no matter what's going on, that God's got things planned and your mind has not yet conceived or comprehended the possibilities of what God has for you as you step into 2023. But they are revealed to us as we draw closer to God, as we invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us, as we give him opportunity to 
say something and bring something and impart something into our lives as we encounter him. We come back to the passage in Revelation, and I want us to look at two things, the one who is on the throne and what comes from the throne, the one who is on the throne and what comes from the throne. So let's look at that first thing, the one who is on the throne. And we see Jesus seated on the throne, and he's not stressed. He's in complete control and at a complete rest, having all authority. Psalm 103 and verse 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Well, at times, and certainly in our more recent experience, life has been so unpredictable, so out of control. And right now in the world, that still feels a lot like that. But God's in control. He rules over all. His kingdom is in heaven. It's not impacted by the things of earth. In fact, heaven is here to impact earth, to do things in your life and in my life as we just recognize and recognize he's on the throne. He's in control. He's in charge. He has things in his hands for us. The God who keeps us is the God who transcends time and space and geography. He's not bound to our past, but certainly has a great future for us. He's not subject to the things of earth, but he's sovereign over all things. And I want to encourage you with that. Yes, God occupies a throne. It's a throne of power and authority, but it's also a throne of grace. Not a throne of greed, a throne of seeking to dominate. That's not how God rules in people's hearts. He waits for the invitation and therefore the exhortation for us to encounter God and then yield to him. But it's this one who sits on the throne, and I believe this is really important for many listening in this moment. You're coming not to a throne of judgment, not to a throne of rejection, not to a throne of domineering, but to a throne of grace. And I want that to just kind of wash over you. Uh, however good, bad, or otherwise 2022 was, as you come before the throne, you're coming to a throne of grace. I love the words of Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I want you to notice these are people who are coming to the throne in need of mercy, in need of help. And you don't encounter rebuke and judgment and, and being brushed off and, and indifference. God says, come confidently, come boldly to the throne of grace. You'll find the mercy, the forgiveness, the cleansing you need. You'll find the help, the strength, the assurance to step in to your future and on into 2023. And so it's really important before we hear what comes from the throne that we realize who is on the throne, the God of all grace, the God of mercy, the God of peace, the God who has your life in his hands. But I want to draw our attention to a few things that come from the throne. 
and assure you that there is nothing going on in your life that takes God by surprise. He said to me, and I'm quoting now verse 6, he said to me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And that reference to Jesus being the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, occurs a few times in Scripture. And it speaks to us of the assurance that he's the initiator of things and he also knows how to complete things. And he also knows everything that is in between. So what God has initiated, starting your life, he knows how to bring it to a completion. He knows how to bring it to an end. And in fact, he says it's done, it's finished. From heaven, this thing is done. And he will bring it into existence in your life and in my life. But if he's at the beginning and the end, then he knows everything in between as well. And so just have that assurance. He knows what is going on. You are not forgotten. You are not overlooked. You are not abandoned. In fact, speaking to his people through the prophet Jeremiah, and the nation was in an extraordinary turmoil, having been invaded by the Babylonians, people slain, cities ruined, people taken into captivity. God speaks into all that darkness and and seemingly hopelessness, this message of extraordinary hope. And many of you would be familiar with the words But I pray that you won't be so familiar that you don't hear the heart of God speaking to you this morning. God says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I want you to catch that. Uh, Every time I read those words, I'm inspired and lifted and empowered by them. That God says, I know the plans that I've got for you. And the plans are not to harm you. They're to prosper you. They're to give you a future and a hope. And I believe even those words are prophetic to some people who feel like you've got your your face against a brick wall and you can't see a way forward. No, God has got a future and a hope for you. He's got a way forward. He's got plans for you. And we get anxious. I I include myself in this. God, what's the plan? How am I going to get out of this? How do we get to the next thing? And they're his plans. And they are his plans in his hands. They are his plans in his hands. And our role is to trust his plans and not stress over what we don't know, but try to take steps of obedience based on what we do know. And I believe this is really important. Sometimes we hesitate, we stress, because we, there's things we don't know about the future, don't know about God's plans. And he says, I just need you to know this part now. I want you to step into this. I love the story that Corrie ten Boon, that famous woman of God who went through extraordinary things during the Second World War, including being in a concentration camp for helping Jewish people along with the family. But she tells a story of when she was a little girl going to the big city uh, on the train with her dad. 
and he'd buy the tickets and he'd keep hold of them so she wouldn't lose her ticket. And she said, can I, need the, can I have the ticket now? Can I have the ticket now? And he says, Corrie, it's all right. I'll give you the ticket when you need it. Dad, can I have the ticket now? Do I need it now? Corrie, I'll give you the ticket when you need it. And when the conductor came, he would then hand her the ticket so that she could give the ticket to the conductor, which was a big deal for her as a little girl. And she said those words revealed something of the Father heart of God. I'll give you the ticket. I'll give you what you need when you need it. Stop worrying about what you don't know and just take the step of faith into what I'm calling you now, into what you do know. For these are God's plans. They're not our plans for God. These are God's plans. They're not our plans for God or even our plans for ourselves that we're trying to get God to rubber stamp. They are his plans, which is why they are good plans that prosper us and give us a future and a hope. And he says from the throne, when he speaks into their lives, it's done. I've got the sorted. I've got your life sorted. I've got this world sorted. He says, hey, hey, John, write this down. For what I'm saying to you, these words are trustworthy and true. And so I want to encourage you, and we'll speak a little bit more of this as we step into the year, for you to pray to God and say, what is my word or key phrase for the year? And Lord, would you give me a verse or two so it keeps me anchored into the core thing that you want me to do and accomplish and move forward into this year? We do this every year, and year after year, the extraordinary testament of people said, I didn't like the word that God gave me, but I had all the verse. But as I said, it was perfect for my year, and it became a source of great blessing. So wait on the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and get your word, your phrase for the year, and a verse, and write it down. It'll anchor something in your life for 2023. The other thing I just want to say about stepping into this is that God always speaks to us from where we are and not where we think we should have been. Every single one of us has taken a wrong decision, turned in a wrong direction, even with our best efforts in being obedient and following Christ. And some of us live with painful recrimination over those poor choices, those bad decisions, and begin to write ourselves off and say, well, I'm not where I should be and and God won't help me. No, remember, we're coming to a throne of grace to find mercy and to find help in a time of need. And I love the story of Abraham and Sarah as they leave their home and go on a journey, not knowing their final destination. And they're told to go by themselves, but they take Lot with them. You can read it for yourself in Genesis. And it it just becomes a problem issue. Lot becomes a problem person in their lives. And eventually they separate. And I love these words in Genesis 13, 14. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, and that's what I'm going to give you. You see, while he still had Lot with him, making a wrong choice, God didn't speak. And when Lot departed, 
The words were not, you terrible person, you mean living in such disobedience. And, and it wasn't a rebuke. He says, Abraham, right now, lift up your eyes from where you are. I, in God's mind, maybe he should have been somewhere else. In Abraham's mind, maybe he should have been somewhere. God says, don't look from where you are. And I would encourage you as you stand before this throne of grace, that the one who speaks to you says, lift up your eyes from where you are. I've got a future, a hope, and I've got good things, great plans from you. And so we need to respond and choose this heavenly perspective. And choosing a heavenly perspective is really choosing God, choosing Jesus. And it always starts with surrender. And for all of us, that can be a struggle, that surrendering, God, I actually trust you. I buy into your plans. I yield myself to you. I, I surrender to you. But we are taught by Jesus daily to pray this prayer, and I'm just taking the first part of it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, venerated, be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want you to catch this. It's our Father, not our angry God, not our disappointed God, not our impatient God, but our Father, the God who loves us, Abba, Father. Come to him and, Lord, I reverence your name. You are Lord. And, Lord, I want to surrender my will for your will, my way for your way. And I want heaven to come to my part of earth as I seek to choose the heavenly perspective, obey the voice from the throne. D.L. Moody said this, let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. Let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. And it's that point of trust, of surrender. My encouragement is to you, to you is not to make New Year resolutions. If it works for you, great. But most of us make these things and then within a month or so we've broken it or not done it or something's happened. Well, what I would rather encourage is to make some quality decisions, some quality decisions around following Jesus. First one, to the best of my ability, I won't waste God opportunities. I won't waste God opportunities. And this is not getting stressed. Was that an opportunity? Was that a door? Was that a door? Is it this door? Is it that door? Which door is shut? Which door is open? It's not that kind of panic. We're before a throne of grace, a God who wants to help us. It's praying and saying, Holy Spirit, would you open my eyes to discern the God opportunities, to discern the things that he's planned for me? And not just look for the big moments where there's smells, bells, and incense, and angel choirs, and trumpets. Occasionally you get that kind of thing. But mostly the God opportunities are found in the small things. Paul says in Ephesians 5 and verse 15 and following, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity. God, would you open my eyes to the God opportunities every day? 
And if you feel you miss one, get over it. You're before a throne of grace. You come to find help in a time of need. I believe there are divine opportunities around us, and they're usually wrapped either in unusual circumstances or in insignificant circumstances. Things that you're almost brush aside as being unimportant, and often they're related to other people. Not what they can do for us, but what we can do for them. So they often come in unusual circumstances, They often come as insignificant, almost easy to overlook, and they're usually related and connected to serving other people in some way, helping somebody else, encouraging someone else. In Galatians 6 and verse 9 and 10, Paul says, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, the appointed time, we will reap a harvest. If we don't give up, therefore... As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And I want you to notice how he says there's a harvest coming if you don't give up. And how do you not give up? It's not by doing the big things. It's by grabbing the small opportunities to do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Look for the opportunities to be a blessing to somebody else and you will see many of them grow into extraordinary God opportunities. The second thing, after I won't waste the divine opportunities, I'm praying the Holy Spirit will show them to me, is I won't DIY myself. I won't DIY myself. What I mean by that is simply don't try fixing yourself or fixing things in your life. Now, God wants us to be active and be obedient and do biblical things and common sense things. So it's not about sitting around doing nothing and waiting for the angels to rush in and fix it. What I'm talking about is avoiding that effort. I've got to make this happen. I've got to move this forward. It's about leaning back and abiding in Christ, responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in John 6 and verse 63, and I'm reading it in a paraphrase, the message. The Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit can make life. Sheer muscle and willpower don't make anything happen. Every word I've spoken to is a spirit word, and so it is life-making. Every word that I've spoken to you, Jesus said, is a spirit word, and it gives life. Again, the encouragement, get your word for the year, get your verses for the year, and let them anchor your life. And remember, on this whole thing of fixing yourself, fixing your circumstance, that God has a long history of offering all of us second, third, fourth, fifth, and beyond chances. Everything in Scripture screams towards it. And in in a sense, it's a whole message in and of itself. But listen to these words of Psalm 103, verse 10 through 11. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, remember we're trying to get a heavenly perspective, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. 
As far as the east is from the west, so far he's removed our transgressions from us. Those are words spoken to people who've messed up. He speaks of sins, iniquities, of transgressions. It's a whole baggage of stuff. And he says, I'm a God that gives you another chance. I'm the God who forgives. I'm the God who cleanses. I'm the God who restores. Don't give up on yourself because God hasn't given up on you. So the first thing is, I'm going to look for the God opportunities. Ask the Holy Spirit to show me. I'm not going to DIY myself, try to fix myself or my circumstance. The, 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 the third thing is a real positive. I will live or abide in Christ. We are called to discover what Hudson Taylor referred to as the exchange life. And very briefly, an incredible missionary in China did amazing things, but in earlier years lived frustrated and, and feeling like he was accomplished nothing, feeling like he was a failure. And through a series of events, he came to this revelation. I'm not the one that needs to be stressing and striving. I'm the one that needs to be obeying and following and resting in all that Christ has accomplished, exchanging his strength for my weakness. And that whole exchange thing, he called it the exchanged life. And Paul says this in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with, with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith, by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's just so much in there. But I want you to see, this comes from the heart of God who loves us. And he says, listen, just die to yourself and find your life in me. I encourage you in this moment of stress, in that moment of pressure, and you trying to fix it and react, just step back and say, Jesus, I want to rest in you. I want to abide in you. Now, prompt me what I need to do to respond. You see, the Bible says in Romans 8, verse 35 and following, who shall separate us from the love of God? And Paul has listed a whole lot of things that are terrible. And he says, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And the thing that keeps echoing in my heart with this passage is that we are more than conquerors, not through our striving, not through our effort, not through our cleverness, not through us trying to outsmart things. We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. It's us resting in the fact that we are loved, accepted, forgiven, empowered, come before the throne of grace, that we learn to live our best life for Jesus. And the final thing is firstly, remember, I won't waste opportunities. I won't DIY myself. I will learn to abide or live in Christ. But in 2023, I'm going to come thirsty to God. I'm going to come thirsty. Remember the final words I read out of Revelation 21 verse 6 in our key passage. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. To the thirsty, I will give water. Drinking and thirst are common pictures that show how God provides and supplies our need and our spiritual need. And drinking is an action like receiving. 
like faith. Faith is not striving as much as it's just receiving what God's promised, what God said he would do, receiving God's plans, the future and the hope. I love something that Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, to drink is to receive, to take in a refreshing draft, and that is all. Drinking is such a remarkable, easy thing. It is even more simple than eating. And I love the simplicity of that, that drinking is all about receiving. You don't even have to chew the water like you do food. You just have to receive it and drink it. And that's what God's wanting to do. If you come thirsty, if you come hungry for God, he says, I've got living water for you. And there's two things in that. This year, because we're talking about encountering God, is a thirst for his presence. David says in Psalm 42, verse 1 and following, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? He's out in the wilderness of Engedi. There's deep ravines and sometimes a deer or a goat would be stranded on one side of the ravine, could smell the water but couldn't get to it. And it's panting, literally eager but can't get to it. He, he says, that thirst, that longing is what I feel about the presence of God. That I feel about you, God, as the deer pants for the water brooks. So my soul longs for you, Lord. And then he asks this question, where can I meet you? And, and I want to encourage you. And I'm not talking about buildings and that, although we, can, we do encounter God and we want to have a special emphasis on encountering God more and more in our services. But God, I want the encounter. I want to find the places where I can meet with you. In my Bible reading, in my worship, in my praying, in my moment in the middle of the day where I just stop and go, thank you, Jesus, that you're with me. In church services where we create opportunity for great encounter. So we want a thirst for God's presence. And secondly, a thirst for a greater fullness of the Holy Spirit and all that he brings to our lives. Jesus said, John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. It doesn't go anyone who is thirsty, go dig a well, get a plumber. I'm trying to describe something. It says, if you're thirsty, come to me, come into my presence and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. By this he meant the spirit who those who believed in him would later receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. We started the throne and we ended the throne. When Jesus was crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords, in the heavenly realm, what flowed from heaven was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is the evidence that Jesus is on the throne. When we come and drink and receive a fullness of the Holy Spirit, it's evidence that Jesus is still on the throne. He's in control. He's Lord over your circumstance. He's on the throne. And there's a river of living water, the Holy Spirit flowing. If you come thirsty. <music> 